0: have your Bibles. Uh, go ahead and open up with me this morning to uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, I believe next next Sunday we're going to complete this series. We've been on this for several weeks about being fearless, being fearless. Father, today we approach the Word of God. We thank You, Lord, for the truth. Your Word, You said, is Truth, it doesn't have truth, it is truth. So today, Father, we set ourselves, we set our hearts in agreement to receive the truth, the revelation of the truth of God's Word, to set us free, to lift us up. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. What have we been talking about? Say it. Fearless. Say fearless. Fearless. Say boldly. Fearless. Amen. Notice that there's a lion on there. Do you see that? Now where's that come from? Well, in Proverbs 28, 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee or take off when no one is chasing them. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen. Well, you talk about a scaredy cat. <laughs> the wicked flee when no one's chasing them. <laughs> Amen. But the Bible says that the righteous shall be as bold as a lion. I made mention of the fact uh, about two months ago, maybe two and a half months ago now, I know it was in the month of August, the Lord started to talk to me about personally, and I didn't know it was going to turn into a series because He was dealing with me and talking to me and ministering to me. And He began to talk to me about how that He doesn't want there to be a trace of fear on the inside of me. Amen? Amen. Now sometimes when you first hear that, that can become a major challenge to you because we've been used to yielding to fear, you know, and, and depending on how we grew up and so forth, how we were trained, because we are trained by somebody, right? But see, the Lord doesn't want us to be afraid or fearful of anything. The Bible even says that the fear of man is a snare or a trap. It says that in Proverbs. But whoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. It's just better to trust the Lord, isn't it? Hallelujah. Those that trust in the Lord, the Bible says in Psalms 122, I think it is, they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion which can never be removed. (laughs) I mean a mountain that just can't be removed. That's one mountain that can't be removed. Amen? Amen. But they that trust in the Lord shall be like a mountain, like Mount Zion, which can never be shaken or never be moved. Glory to God. How many of you have a desire to be completely fear free? Now, let me qualify that statement by this statement right now, that just because you feel fear doesn't mean that you've received fear. That's really important because I think there's there's a misunderstanding sometimes that people think, well, if I have a symptom, then that must mean that I have it. No, you just have a symptom, okay? And just because you might feel fear coming against you doesn't mean that you have the spirit of fear on the inside of you. And I think that's important. It's, it's the same, it, along the same line as this. You can have a bad thought, but that's not your thought. So that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. you see what I'm saying? You know, all of us have bad, wicked thoughts, negative thoughts that come to us about ourselves, about other people, about our future. But that doesn't mean it's your thought. Correct? So you can have, this is important to understand this, you can have symptoms of something or you can feel fear, but that doesn't mean that you are personally afraid. Okay? Like one preacher said, he says, you can stand there on your knees or having fellowship with one another. They're knocking against each other. Full of fear. Okay? But that doesn't mean that that fear is on the inside of you. Now it's interesting because I, <laughs> I did a little research here and there's There's actually 100 different types of fears known to mankind. Now, I'm not going to read all of them. And I I thought it was kind of interesting because there's different types of fears and there's a name for every one of those things. Let me just read a couple of those. I hope I can pronounce these right. Archnophobia. Everybody say that. (laughs) Archnophobia. And that is the fear of spiders. Okay. What's that? Okay, you said it correct. Okay. Y'all been there and done it, huh? Okay. Thank you, class. I appreciate that. It's real small writing here. So. And it says, this affects women 48% more than men. Oh yeah. That's what it says right here. 12% men. 12, it's right here. It says 12% men, 48% women. says, Mom, a a spider just crawled on my face. And I'm like, oh, Josh, that's just the ceiling fan. Well, it was. We turned the light on. There was this huge spider that was on his face. Oh, my gosh. So that was a wild day. Amen. (laughs) Y'all needed to hear that, didn't you? (laughs) Well, listen, when you... uh, When you look at the size of your body compared to the size of a spider, just let them think about that, okay? Okay, let me see if I can say this right. Ohidophobia. you know what that is? That's the fear of snakes, okay? Here's acrophobia, which is the fear of heights. Agoraphobia is the fear of open or crowded spaces. Here's the Sinophobia, fear of dogs. Okay. Astraphobia, fear of lightning and thunder. Okay. Claustrophobia, which we're all familiar with, is what? Fear of small spaces. All right. And then uh, there's uh, Thana. Thanath- Top phobia, I think that's how you say it, that's the fear of death, and the Bible says God's removed us removed the fear of death from us. Amen. And get this one. This is called Alectorophobia. It's the fear of chickens. <laughs> a chicken's afraid of a chicken. <laughs> Now, here's the last one. I'm only reading a couple of them here because there's a there's hundred that they list, okay? Podophobia, which is the fear of feet. Oh, I don't know. I never heard of that one before, fear of feet, okay? Now, I wanted to read just a couple of those because... There's all kinds of fears, but the, the root fear is the fear of death. The fear of death. Okay? But the Bible says God has removed that from us because for us as believers to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. All right? The very split second that you, uh, your spirit leaves your body, we don't taste death like the world tastes death. Jesus tasted death for every person. So we don't have to. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, how many of you have some loved ones that have moved into heaven? Okay. I'm telling you, they're in, good, they're in a good place and they're in good shape and they are very, very excited. <laughs> Amen. And uh, but God has removed the fear of death from us so that we can complete our mission in this life. Now, 2 Timothy, we've been talking about steps, steps to overcoming fear I'm just going to read those real quickly here but the first step is this is to recognize the source of fear. Okay? 2 Timothy 1:7 God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power, love and a sound mind. Amen. So notice that fear is a spirit. Say fear is a spirit. Okay? Now whether it's fear of man, fear of this, fear of that, fear of f- people, a fear of, a fear of failing, and sometimes past failures can create future fears. And if you have a failure of some sort in your life, whether it's a relationship or something else, it could be anything, sometimes when you face that situation again, that fear can come back and say, you remember what happened last time, okay? But God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's not given me, He's not given you the spirit of fear. And I may mention of the fact that sometimes that we talk about fright, which is the height, the pinnacle of fear, like someone's... They frighten you, startle you, okay? That's fear. But then there's also those little subtle nagging things that you worry about. Like when you drive to church this morning and in the back of your mind you're thinking about what has to take place this week. Okay, little nagging worries. That's still fear. But God wants you to trust Him. To trust Him. And when you trust Him, you will have peace. You will have peace. We'll talk about that this morning. So recognize the source of fear. Number two, understand how much God loves you. We talked about that. Number three, we talked about practicing God's presence. These are steps to overcoming fear. Number four, and we'll camp on this today again, is to give every care and every worry to the Lord. Give every care and every worry to the Lord. Let's go quickly again to uh, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, 6-8, uh, 1 Peter. Scripture says right here, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. So how do you humble yourself under God's mighty hand? Well, verse 7 says, Casting all, say all. all. Casting all of your care upon Him, because He careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Then it goes on to say, Whom resists steadfast in the faith. All right? Now, sometimes it's what we don't say that leaves the door open. For example, it kind of gives you, if you just read verse 8, it kind of gives, it leaves the impression that the enemy, the devil can just walk and start devouring people right and left. You never know when your number's up, so to speak. You know, you can just be devoured at any second. Okay? As if you have no choice in that. Actually, the only way... In context of this scripture, these scriptures right here, the only way that the the devil can devour you with fear and with worry is by not casting your care upon the Lord. That's the only way that he can, you know, when you start feeling that fear like that, then the devil has devoured you. Okay? But the good news is he doesn't have to. You can pass up opportunities to yield to fear and worry. There's probably not a day that goes by in most of our lives that there's not an opportunity to pass up some type of fear. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Huh? You ever been on the highway and someone's driving too slow and you want to pass them up? (laughs) Right? On a highway, I'm saying. Not on a single lane road, okay. But, you know, uh, you want to get around them, right? So you can go the speed limit and do what you need to do, get where you need to go and so forth. You can pass up opportunities to worry and fear on purpose. Now, when he says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, God wants to to exalt you. He wants to lift you up. Now, James says it like this Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up. Amen. Lift you up. Cast all your cares. Praise the Lord. He cares for you. God wants to exalt you. You know, God is not opposed to you being exalted. He just doesn't want you to do your own exalting. Everybody hear that? God is not opposed to you being exalted in this life in any, any way, shape, or form. He just wants to do the, the lifting himself. And when he does it, it's a good thing. It's a sweet thing. So, the way that we humble ourselves primarily under the mighty hand of God is verse 7, we cast all, all of our cares upon the Lord because He cares for us. All right. Now, I believe, uh, Josh, you can bring this up real quick, but Psalm 55 verse 22. Many times if you read for example in the New Testament where they would make a statement like Peter just made there about casting your cares upon the Lord. And then you'll see them, generally speaking they are quoting an Old Testament scripture. Psalm fifty-five, twenty-two says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee, and he shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Amen. I believe that's where Peter picked up on this, and he said, Cast your cares, cast your burdens upon the Lord, because he cares for you. Amen. I mean, I'll tell you what, it's just so much better when we give our cares to the Lord. You know, I heard a true story back about a hundred years ago when people were coming from Europe to make their home in, you know, uh, come through New York and all the immigrants, a lot of our relatives that came over on the boat, so to speak, you know. (laughs) And they came over here and, boy, they just scraped up enough money to get over here and so forth and so on. And, And a true story about a guy that got on this boat and he just had enough, he thought he just had enough money to get the ticket to come over here. And he noticed when he was on the boat that everybody for lunch, for breakfast, and for dinner, would go to the dining room, and they would eat till their heart was content. Except this one guy. And after a couple of days, you, know, you get pretty hungry, right? So somebody, someone, one of the staff members on the ship came up to him, this large boat, you know, and said, I noticed that you, you've been sitting here doing the meals, and why, you know, What's the deal? Why don't you come and eat with everybody else? He said, well, sir. He said, I only bought ticket to get over across America. And the guy said this. He said, sir, what you don't realize is your meals were included in that. Amen? Your meals were included in your ticket. Now, it's hard for us to fathom that, but that was you know, 100 years ago. Okay? So take it for what it's worth, a true story. His meals were included. All right? And here he was suffering out there. <laughs> He just please get to America, you know what I'm saying? Then I can finally eat. But his meal ticket was included in, his meals were included in his ticket. He didn't even know it. Amen? Now, when Jesus purchased our salvation, he included everything in that ticket. Everything. Did you ever hear this scripture before? It says, He that spared not his own son. Did God spare his own son? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Say all things. things. When you bought your car, did you have to pay for the steering wheel separate? How about the seats? Now, when you bought the car, the steering wheel came with it. Amen. The seats came with it. Right? The brakes came with it. Are you with me? Now, All things being equal. You know what I'm saying? A normal car, right? So, this is an all-inclusive package. When Jesus paid for your salvation, He paid for not only the forgiveness of your sins, but He paid for your deliverance, your preservation, your healing, your safety, your provision, everything that you'll ever need in this life. Now, religion has taught us otherwise, Oh, one of, the, one of the most dangerous things to the, to the truth is religious teaching that denies people the right to have these things while we're in this earth. And nothing disturbs me more. It irritates me to no end. When people put the blessings of God off to the future and the sweet by and by. When I was in my church growing up, we used to sing songs about the future, you know? When we all get to heaven. It's all about when we get to heaven. What about the here and now? And it wasn't until I got in a good word-based church, glory to God. Hallelujah. That's where I met my wife. And we started to hear the word of God about what what were our rights, what were our privileges, what belonged to us in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you what, God started to lift us up. Amen. And we have to always be reminded of what what belongs to us. And part of that package is God wants us to be able to cast all of our cares upon Him. Now let's go over to... uh, We haven't looked at this yet, but let's look at Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul wrote a marvelous portion of scripture here in light of cares and worries and so forth, uh, much like what Peter talked about here. Hallelujah, and I really like this. You can walk out of here today. And you make a quality decision, I refuse to yield to fear anymore. Praise God. And you know, fear always comes, always comes in the form of a thought. Right? It comes in the form of a thought. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, He says, Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What, should we gonna wear? what are we going to wear? You know, in other words, how are we going to be taken care of? Jesus said, you take a thought by saying it. He says, take no thought saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? How am I going to be clothed? How are we going to be taken care of? We might have, if we have a chance, we'll look at that today. And Jesus said, hey, look, look at the birds. Amen. Look at the birds of the air. He said, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Hallelujah. God takes care of the Tweety Birds. Amen. Amen. He can take care of the birds, he can take care of you, and he can take care of me. Because he says, are you not much more valuable than a sparrow? Are you? Are you more valuable than a bird? I would hope so. Amen? Glory to God. (laughs) You're more valuable than that, amen? Glory to God. He says, consider, just think about it for a minute. Have you ever seen a bird that's so worried he starts pulling his feathers out? Like what in the world? I've seen birds outside my window. We have this, this window in one of our rooms, you know, and you can, a lot of birds perch on this tree. I've never once in the middle of winter seen a bird out there worrying about what he's going to eat. Something comes up, God provides it for them. And he says, also consider the... The flowers, for example, the lilies of the field, he says, they, they, uh, they toil not, neither do they spin. In other words, they don't work at being beautiful. He says, yet I tell you that Solomon in all of his glory and splendor was not arrayed like one of these little flowers. And he says, so if God clothed the, the lilies of the field, you know, and so forth. He says, how much more will God clothe you? Hallelujah. I mean, I enjoy flowers. I really do. I love flowers. Jesus loves flowers. Amen? But, I mean, you look, you look at the detail sometimes. You look at, you pull a little flower and you look at the detail. Have you ever done that before? Look at the detail, that little flower that most people will never see. You might be the only person that ever sees that flower. Most of the flowers people will never see, but they're there. Amen? But God says if you see the flowers like that, God will clothe you. He will take care of you. Amen? Okay, so the other Philippians, right? Now, notice verse 6. Are you ready? Be careful for nothing, but in everything, notice the word everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, whatever things are of lovely and of good report, think on these things. Now, that's the King James. Let's go over to the Amplified Translation. Let's look on the screen up there at the Amplified. I I really like this better in this particular verse right here. Thank you, Lord. Stop and think about it just for one split second here. How much more could you do in your life if you didn't have fear? you can enjoy every day praise god now my spiritual father brother Kenneth Hagan to me he had a master's degree in this area what do you mean a master's degree he had a master's degree in the area of casting his cares on the lord because he had such revelation of that i'm telling you the stuff that he went through and the, the incurable blood disease he had two or three different diseases and 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 should have died did die came back to life you know and He learned as a 16-year-old teenager how to cast his care upon the Lord. No one, there was no preacher, there was nobody that taught him. The Holy Ghost taught him through the Word of God. And then years and years later, he began to teach that to the body of Christ. And I'm so thankful for that. And he says, uh, people have asked him the question, well, do you worry? He says, let me tell you this way, I've passed up some marvelous opportunities. (laughs) Because when you hear preachers say, like, I don't worry anymore, like, you mean he doesn't have any fear come against him? No, he said he, he passed up some marvelous opportunities. Okay? That's the key. Now, in the Amplified, I want you to see, I love this because it makes it very clear to us here. It says, Do not fret. We know what that is. Do not fret or have anxiety about anything. Now, notice the word anything. Do not fret. Or have anxiety about anything. Say anything. (laughs) Wow. So God doesn't want us, is this the Word of God or what? God does not want us to fret or have anxiousness or anxiety about anything. So what are we supposed to do? But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, that's a definite request, with thanksgiving, Continue to make your wants known to God. And then he says, and, the, and, the, and God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of the soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from, uh, from God and being content with its earthly lot, whatever sort it is, and that transcends understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay, let's, let's talk about this for a minute here And we're talking about being fearless. And this this final step that we're talking about here today is learning to cast your cares upon the Lord. Rolling your cares upon the Lord. The first step is this, is to recognize, if you're taking notes, recognize what is causing the anxiety, what is causing the fear in your life. What What are you afraid of? Are you afraid you're going to miss out somehow? Are you afraid you're not going to have enough money to pay a bill or bills, plural? (coughs) Are you afraid that you're never going to get married? Huh? Are you afraid of uh, success? Some people are afraid of success. You know, whatever care that you have does not belong to you. Now, I made mention of the fact two weeks ago, I know it wasn't last week because the minks were sharing this, that the Lord spoke to my spirit back in the summer, early early part of summer. And he said to my spirit, now I didn't hear him with these ears here. I heard him inside my heart like you hear him too. Amen. My sheep, Jesus said, hear my voice. And the Lord said this, Keith, I'm a selfish God. I said, you are. (laughs) I didn't know what he meant by that. He said, yep. He says, I want all of your cares. I don't want you having any of them. Now, I got that. He said, I don't want to share cares with you. When he said casting all of your cares, he didn't say casting three-fourths of your cares, casting half of your cares. He says, I want all of them. I want all of them. Why? Because care is like a beast of burden. You've seen these mules and stuff. You know, they throw all all that stuff on their backs, you know, and they... They're called a beast of burden for a reason, you know, or camels, and they put all this, they load them down with stuff. That's how they did it back in the day, okay? And sometimes we can be like that, that mule, so to speak. (laughs) And we got, man, we're just way down with burdens, way down with burdens. And, you know, fear, they've proven, medical science has proven that more people are in hospitals because of fear and worry than anything else. Amen. Now, uh, it's amazing the power of how we think and how things change us. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what do they call those pills that uh, are fake? Placebo. Placebo. Okay. They have actually proven, they've actually done studies on this and they've proven they give someone, it's just a sugar pill, is all it is. And they say, if you take this pill, this is going to help you with that situation. And they come back and they say, man, I feel so great. All they ate was a piece of sugar, like a sugar cube, you know what I'm saying? But you wonder how much of the things are actually in our thinking the way that we think. And we think, boy, that's the right pill, that'll help us, amen? How much more when we put our minds on the Word of God? Okay? We put our minds on the Word of God we can pass up every opportunity to fear and worry from this moment forward what is today the 5th of november right we can pass up from this moment forward from starting today we can pass up every opportunity to worry about your job a lack thereof or people that are threatening you in your life or you know or for whatever reason i'm not talking about your life being on the line i'm talking about people fear of man Okay. You can pass it up. Amen. I'll I'll give you a little clue here because sometimes when you most often when you cast your cares on the Lord, you're still going to feel they're not going to feel per se any different. Okay? Cuz you have to do it by faith. You really do. You have to cast your cares on the Lord by faith. You have to believe he has the care. I don't have the care. He's taking care of it. Praise the Lord. And so if the devil comes along and says, "Oh, Do you really think that need was met? Amen? Do you really think that situation is going to be taken care of? You need to stand up and say, no, Mr. Devil, I don't have the care. And if you're going to talk to anybody, you talk to God because He has the care, I don't. (laughs) I've cast it upon the Lord. Is this helping anybody this morning? Now it says in verse 6, do not fret or have anxiety about anything. Have you ever, I know I have, I've fretted about things before, worried about things before. Lost sleep. Amen. The classic example that I think of in my own life when this happened to me was many, many years ago, way back in the early 80s. We had just moved to, to Texas. And I got a letter from the IRS saying that I had made a mistake on my taxes, and that I owed them roughly close to, no, it wasn't quite $10,000, but just short of $10,000, okay? Now, back in those days, that was almost my entire salary for a year, okay? And I'm telling you, someone says, well, if the devil can't scare you, the IRS will. <laughs> just teasing. We're not to be afraid of anything, Right? And uh, and I'm man, I'm thinking, what what's the deal here? I I, I did everything legally, I went to the right people and so forth, but they they found something or whatever, you know, that I owed them like ten thousand dollars and just shy of ten thousand dollars. Well, I started to take on the care of that thing, and I'm telling you, I was developing an ulcer in my stomach. Now I never knew what that felt like, but I felt like I started to get an ulcer in my stomach. Man, I'm, and I, we had just gone on to work in a church down there. We were just out of Bible school, went to work in a, church, a ministry in Killeen, Texas, which is out of uh, Fort Hood, an area at the Army base down there. And, uh, oh, I mean, this just went on. I kept getting letters. Every couple of weeks I get another letter in the mail. Oh, man, it's just piling up, you know. And then they start to add in, uh, interest on top of that if you don't pay it. I'm thinking, how in God's green earth am I going to even pay for this? okay. Well, needless to say, I had a care that was a major care, and it was I'm telling you, it was eating me up, so to speak, and I, it was even difficult to, to do anything in the ministry because in the back of my mind, this is going on, okay? And I'm driving down the, ma- the major interstate. I think it was a Route 35, I think it was, that went through that area. I'm in my little red car, and this is weeks after I got that initial letter. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. You know, He's always trying to talk to us. You know, if you're worried about something today, I guarantee you the Holy Ghost is trying to comfort you. He's trying to help you. I'm telling you, He is not staying silent. He wants to talk to you. He is talking to you. But sometimes we don't think it's Him. Am I just making that up? Well, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. I didn't hear it with these ears. I heard it inside. And I say that for a reason. Because sometimes when I say, like, God spoke to me, it's like I heard it with these these ears here. No, no, no. I heard it inside me. And the Lord spoke this to me, and I was driving down the interstate. He said, if you saw things from my perspective, it wouldn't look so bad after all. And I pulled the car over on the side of the road. cars, you know. I said, God, say that to me again. He said, if you saw things from my viewpoint, from my vantage point, things will not look so bad after all. Now, I didn't see the Lord, but I sensed His countenance was smiling when He said that. Do you know you can sense God smiling at you? I've heard God laugh before. (laughs) When I was facing something, it was no laughing matter. I heard God do a belly laugh in my spirit. I thought, oh my goodness. Amen. Now, the prophets of old would say the word of the Lord came unto me saying. Now, if, if everybody heard it, they wouldn't have to say that. But the word of the Lord would come unto the word of the Lord came to me and said, if you saw this thing from my perspective, things wouldn't look so bad after all. And I knew what he was talking about. It was that, that situation with the IRS, right? I'm just making an illustration here. Even if you heard this before, you can hear it again. And uh, when I when he spoke that to me, I had to make a decision, I had to make a choice right then and there that I was gonna say, okay, Lord, obviously you see something that I don't see. But he said this again, the Lord said, if you saw this thing from my perspective, things wouldn't look so bad after all, right? And so, I'm not saying I did it 100% because, oh, that was a battle to struggle to stay in faith over that thing. It kept, the thought kept coming back to me, it kept coming back to me. But I had to make a decision to say, you know, Lord, I'm casting the care of this whole thing on you right now in Jesus' name. I give the care to you. And I'll tell you, that thought would come back every single day, a couple times a day. I'd say, nope, nope, nope. I refuse to do that. I refuse to take that care. Okay? Well, nothing from the natural changed. But I started to change. I started to aggressively. Boy, it was not easy. It was not easy. But I said, oh, God, I give this care. is in your hands. I refuse to take the care of that thing. Amen? Are you all with me now? And... Uh, and I, I, I started to practice. Lord, I thank you. It's in your hands. Every day it's in your hands. Well, we ended up coming back to, to Pennsylvania. We moved back after a couple of years of being down there. And the issue still wasn't resolved yet. After a couple of years. Now, I remember what the Lord spoke to me. He says, if you saw this from my perspective, it wouldn't look so bad after all. And I just developed that. I started thinking about that, meditating on that, saying that within myself. God, you see something, this is all taken care of. And one day we first moved back to Pittsburgh, we moved back to our home, hometown. I got a letter from the IRS, and I thought it was the typical letter that they always would send. And they said, our research indicates that we found a mistake, and uh, uh, you do not owe $10,000. In fact, we owe you money. Now, it wasn't a whole lot. <laughs> but it sure do beat paying $10,000 when that was, al- that was almost my annual salary at that time. You can't really support a family on that. You know what I'm trying to say? And I thought, boy, all that time that I fretted and was concerned and worried about that, God saw something that I didn't see. Amen? But the enemy tried to to devour me with that care, um, and he did for a season. And I started to develop an ulcer in my stomach where I had a hard time keeping food down. I mean, it it was just, it eats you up. That care will eat you up, that fear, that worry. But I had to be aggressive with it. I couldn't get weak about it. I had to say, okay, God, here we are again. Here's the next week. Here's the next month. I give it to you. It's in your hands, you know. But in the final analysis, I look back on that and I thought, the Lord obviously saw something that I didn't see. And here's, the, here's what the enemy always tries to do. He throws up a smoke screen. Poof. He throws up a, a smoke screen and makes it appear that it's something that's not even real. It's like a, a, a mirage, okay? It looks real, but it's a smoke screen. It's not the real thing. But if he can get you and me to think that it's the real thing, right? You know, most of the time, if you're concerned about what other people think about you, there's absolutely no truth to it whatsoever. But you know, you can build a big stronghold. Listen to me. You can build a big stronghold in your mind, thinking people think a certain thing towards you when they're not thinking that whatsoever. All right, amen. It's like the extreme illustration I use sometimes. You can watch a football game and see players in a huddle, and they're 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 talking the play, and you you look down and say, "I know they're talking about me." (laughs) No, they're not. No, they're not. Amen? Hallelujah. So, most of the stuff, most of the stuff that you get, the fears and the worries, there's no truth to it whatsoever that comes to you. But if the devil can torment you over it, he will. He's the tormentor. The Bible says there's no fear in love because fear has torment. There's no fear when we know how much God loves us. We talked about that. When we know how much he cares for us, how much he loves us, that was one of the steps. Perfect love cast out fear because fear has torment. Amen. I refuse to yield to the spirit of fear. Now, the Apostle Paul was a prime example of what we're talking about here. You talk about a guy that was under the gun, so to speak, that had all kinds of issues, and the devil wreaked havoc on him. I mean, think about it. Here's one of the Here's the guy that wrote more than half the New Testament, more than any person in the New Testament. He wrote more books in the New Testament than anybody else. The Apostle Paul. You remember that? He was Saul of Tarsus before that. And he was a persecutor of the church. He was a chief persecutor. He thought he was doing God's service. He was your, what we would see today are modern day ISIS, okay? Killing folks, picking them off, thinking they're doing God's service. Well, we know that's not true. Amen. But, you know, he had an encounter. In fact, he was, I thought about this one time. I thought, you know, He was consenting. He's the one that was responsible for the death of Stephen in Acts chapter 9. Remember that? Stephen was a faithful servant of God. And uh, Paul would, he literally held the coats. So I guess it was that time of the year. He was holding the coats of the people that stoned Stephen. And Saul was the one responsible for that. You remember that? Stephen is a hero. Oh my. And Stephen said this. He said, Lord, because he looked up and he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God. He wasn't sitting down. He was standing up. Yeah. Jesus stood up for him. And you know, Jesus will stand up for you too. Amen. He, said, he said he looked up and he saw and he mentioned that and they plugged their ears up and they gnashed their teeth because they didn't want to hear that. And they picked up stones and they stoned him. But before they stoned him, I am totally convinced, completely convinced that he felt nothing because God just took his spirit right out of his body. And when the stones came, he was already gone. There's a grace for that kind of stuff. No pain at all. Okay. And uh, he, made, he made this statement. He said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Doesn't that sound similar to what Jesus prayed on the cross? Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. And here they are, nailing them to the cross. The most vicious death that there is. But see, you can't do that in the natural, right? I mean, you got to be in the Holy Ghost. you got to be tapped, tapped. He was tapped in. He said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. In other words, he said what Jesus said. Forgive them. They know not what they do. So you know what happened? God sent out a holy ghost posse after the guy that was responsible for that, and here's Saul mean, ugly, Saul of Tarsus, mean as the devil himself. He even referred to himself after his, after his conversion. he says, "I was the chiefest of sinners. <laughs> Make no mistake about it. I was a murderer i did I mean I broke them all, I broke all those commandments, you know and uh So he's on the road to Damascus to persecute more Christians. Remember that? He was on the road to Damascus. And suddenly there came a shine, a light from heaven. It was Jesus Christ that appeared to him, knocked him off his horse. Fell under the power of God. There's a lot of different places in the New Testament where people fell under the power of God. It's scriptural and it can happen. Amen. When the natural comes in contact with the supernatural, something has to give. And Paul, and Jesus made this statement. He knew who it was. It sure wasn't Allah. <laughs> he said, <laughs> He said, The Lord said this to Saul and his folks. He fell off his horse on his backside. And the Bible says he spoke in a Hebrew tongue. God was speaking to him in a Hebrew tongue. And the people there that were there heard the voice as well. They were with him. And he fell off. Bam. And he said this. The Lord said, Saul, Saul why persecutest thou me and that's when he got saved he says who are you lord he got saved on the road to damascus by saying lord that's all it took he says i am jesus whom thou persecutest oh, oh wait wait a minute brother keith he was persecuting christians no god took it personally he said no why per- persecutest thou me You see, when you touch God's people, you're touching the apple of his eye. When the devil messes with you, he's touching Christ. He takes it personally. Amen? But you know, I saw something there one time many years ago. He said, did you notice that before this all happened, if you back up the waters a little bit, if you go back upstream, this all started when Stephen said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge, forgive them. And so, God had a legal right to step in and to go after Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul. Like one guy said, he had such an encounter with God, it knocked the S off his front name, gave him a P. (laughs) Took from Saul to Paul. And he wrote three fourths of the New Testament, which we're reading letters from him today. Isn't that marvelous? Well, when you release forgiveness towards people, and this wasn't a part of my notes here today, when you release forgiveness towards people, it gives God a legal right to step in and to go after your enemies and to save them and to touch them and to deliver them from whatever they're addicted to. Amen? I know forgiveness isn't always easy to do. People wrong you sometimes, right? We've all been there and done that. People said things to us, wronged us, you know, inaccurately judged us for whatever reason, you know. And, uh, but you know what? We can always release forgiveness towards them because that gives us an open heaven for us for God to keep moving in our lives. Amen? Now, I'll tell you the truth. I, on a regular basis... I do a self-inventory. And I say, Father, if there's any unforgiveness or any ill will in my heart towards anybody, please show me if there's any. Just check me if there's anything there. Because as far as I know from the Word of God, the only thing that's going to keep your prayers from being answered is unbelief and unforgiveness. Those are the only two things that Jesus mentioned. Unbelief and unforgiveness. And we have a choice whether or not we're going to allow unbelief or unforgiveness in our lives. Amen? Amen? But it's so wonderful to be able to do that because it gives us an open heaven that if, if, if we forgive those that have trespassed against us, God forgives us. It gives a, our, our prayers an open channel for God to come and minister to us. Hallelujah. Now, in conclusion here today in Philippians chapter 4, we are not to fret or have anxiety about anything. Let me, let me paraphrase it to you. Don't be a worrywart. Don't be a worrywart. You all know what that means? God does not want you worrying about your body. He doesn't want you worrying about your future. He doesn't worry, want you worrying about your finances. He doesn't want you worrying about relationships. And I'll take it even a step further. He doesn't want you worrying about your children. Okay? Job got into trouble. The thing he greatly feared came upon him because he feared for his children. He said, it may be that they've sinned, cursed God on their hearts. And Job made sacrifices every single day. That's how he got into trouble. That's where the devil came in. He said in Job 3, 3.25, he said, the thing that I've greatly feared. Can you all handle this this morning? He said, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and that which I was afraid of has come unto me. You see, whether if we're developed in either fear or faith, the quicker the manifestation will come. Do you know the thing that you fear the most can actually be drawn to you and it hasn't even happened yet. The thing in Job 3:25, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come unto me. Let's just talk about this for a second here, because most people think, and I've heard personally, in my ears, I've heard people say, "I feel like a job," because they've been under the gun, so to speak. they've been going through certain things. And, uh, but none of us here, I'm telling you, none of us here have ever been what through Job went through. But everything that Job went through was self-induced because fear opened up. The Lord showed him later that the fears would open up the door for the Satan to get a legal entryway into his family, into his life. Hallelujah. And that's when Job began to get revelation. He says, oh, Lord, teach me to hold my tongue in the thing where I have erred. You know. But, you know, it's interesting. In the book of James, the Bible says that we are to consider the end of Job, not the beginning. Most people consider the beginning We're not to consider that. We're to consider the end. What's the end of Job? Double. God gave him double back for his trouble. Got twice as much back. And you know, most Bible scholars will tell us that that Job's trials only lasted about nine months, short of a year. Just nine months. And yet God gave him double back. Praise God. Double. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you see, no, back in those days, Job, Job's name is mentioned in the book of Genesis. It's one of the oldest books in the Bible, Job. There was no revelation of demons and devils and Satan and so forth and so on back in those days. It's only, only until you get in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, where it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. They didn't know that back then. They didn't have the revelation of it. Nor did they have authority over the enemy. That's why the Lord had to rebuke the devil back then. Because men didn't have authority. Okay? We're never told in the New Testament to say, Lord, you rebuke the devil. We're not told to do that. We are to rebuke the devil. We are to bind the devil and so forth. Because we're the ones that have authority in the New Testament. But see, under the Old Testament, they didn't have dominion and authority. Okay? So Job feared that his sons, nothing's happened yet. He feared that his sons cursed God, sinned, and so he would make sacrifices every day. Now that's a good, a sacrifice is a good thing. They did that in the Old Testament, right? Say with me now. It was a good thing. However, the motive that he was doing it was not based out of faith, it was out of fear. Do you know you can give out of fear and not receive anything back? But if you give in faith, you can, receive in, you can receive back on it every single time. You know, you can pray a scared prayer, but it's not going to avail to anything. There are people that pray scared prayers all the time. <laughs> oh, God, help me, please, please. But it sure beats to just pray in faith and enter into the rest that God has for us. Now, let's conclude here in this Philippians right here. He says, do not fret or have anxiety about anything. <coughs> but in every circumstance. And everything by prayer and petition. Okay, basically what he's saying right here, he says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. If I'm worrying about something, I haven't really prayed about it. Okay? Don't fret. Don't have anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Notice this, with thanksgiving. Now, you haven't seen the manifestation yet. You haven't seen anything happen in the natural yet. This is where it separates the, the girls from the women, the men from the boys, okay? Is to give thanks for something that your eyes haven't seen yet. That takes faith to do that, doesn't it? Well, the Scripture tells us that if when you pray, you're to believe you receive it and you have it. When you pray, believe that you receive it, Mark 11... When you pray, when you pray, believe that you receive whatever it is you're praying for, and then you shall have it. Praise God. You know, uh, I saw something here. I might have mentioned this before, probably did. The four most important, the four most powerful words that you can pray ever are I believe. I receive. Those are the four most important words that you can literally say when it comes to your prayers. I believe. Say it. I believe. I receive. That's four words. Because Jesus said, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So to personalize that, you can say, if you're praying for healing in your body, you need healing in your body, right? You got symptoms. Say, Father, I believe. I receive. And you. Name off what it is. I believe I receive divine healing in this particular area of my body right now. And that's the only thing that you say. From there on, that's all that you say. I believe, I receive. I believe, I receive. Now, you can also do that when you pray in tongues. When you pray in tongues, it is you talk about the red phone to heaven... Oh baby I'm telling you the direct line to heaven. Glory to God. I don't know a word that I said but I, sp- I spoke it. Okay. I don't know what I I don't know what I said. But did you hear words? Okay, The Bible says that when you speak in an unknown tongue, you're not speaking to men. You're speaking to God. Somebody could come in this building right now and speak Chinese. I would hear them, but I wouldn't understand it. I would just go, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? They could speak Chinese. I wouldn't understand it. But it's a real language. Someone could come in here and speak Japanese. I could hear it. I know that it's a real language. I don't understand it. Someone could speak Korean or or Spanish, I wouldn't understand it. But it's a real language. When you speak in tongues, it's a real language. Real language. It's the most perfect, it's heaven's language given to human beings. (laughs) I'm telling you what. And you can't pray amiss, you can't make a mistake. When you pray in the Spirit, you pray in other tongues. Dear God, you're praying the perfect will of God. So you can actually pray about stuff you don't even know anything about. You know, that's how I pray for y'all. That's how I pray, because I don't know everything. I don't want to know everything. Did <laughs> I get phone calls sometimes, you know, brother, could you pray for me about this? Sure, sure, that's why we're here. Even if you don't call me, I'm still praying for you anyway. Mm-hmm. You don't have to call me to know that I'm still praying for you. I'm just calling you to remind you, Pastor. Keep praying for me. I am praying for you. And Pastor Lynn is too. Okay? Then I'll pray. i pray, I'll pray the scriptures. There are certain scriptures that I pray over everybody, several scriptures. I've been doing it for many years. And I'll continue to do it until Jesus comes back. Then I'll say this. Now, Father, if there's something I'm not aware of, let's say Sister Nancy over here. I said, Lord, I may not be aware, Sister, Sister Nancy. I'm just hypothetically here, you know. I didn't see anything in the spirit, so don't. You know. <laughs> I see. A, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'll say, I said, Lord, you know, I pray as far as I can in the natural for Sister Nancy, but I may not know. I may not be aware of other things that she's facing right now, but, and it's really none of my business, but, but I'm going to yield myself to the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to pray for her, okay, and anyone here, and i 'll just show and you pray for five ten minutes like that you're covering things that your mind isn't even aware of that's why Romans chapter eight says when we don't know how to pray as we ought, the Holy Ghost helps us to pray in Romans chapter eight you know that scripture that everybody takes out of context you know that all things work together for good i've seen there's been more damage than from that scripture than I've seen any other scripture. Oh, major ministries I've seen on television and, and artists and stuff like that say, "Well, I got in a car wreck, my dog died, and you know my leg got run over by a truck, you know." And but all things work together for good. I'm like, no, you just listen to too many country songs because that's <laughs> right. But all things work together for good. That's not what that's talking about. Out of context. The Bible says we're to rightly divide the word of truth. Study to, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You can wrongly divide the word of truth. You can take a scripture out of its context, make it say something it doesn't really say. Now don't get me wrong. God can turn bad situations around, turn it for your good. He can. And He will. But that scripture, in absolute context of what he's talking about, is when we don't know how to pray as we ought, we can yield to the Holy Ghost and pray in other tongues. And when we pray in the Spirit, we are working all things together for good. See, when I pray in the Spirit for you or for anybody else, I cannot make a mistake. I'm not praying amiss, I'm not praying outside of God's will. I'm praying God's perfect will when I pray in the Spirit because the Spirit is providing the language. Yes, it's your voice. It sounds like you. It'd be pretty crazy if I spoke out and I sounded like somebody else. Okay? It sounds like me because that's my voice, but the Spirit of God has given you the utterance. Okay? Now, it's kind of like this. You know, there's wind instruments. You know, you have a trumpet. You have a clarinet. You have a flute. That's three that I can think of. Oboe. They're all wind instruments. And I could come up here, you could come up here, and you could put air in each one of those instruments. And whatever instrument that is, it's going to sound like that instrument. If you play a trumpet, it's going to sound like a trumpet. It won't sound like a flute. Are you with me? But I'm providing the air, I'm providing the wind, but the instrument is going to sound like that instrument. You are the instrument, and when you speak in tongues, it sounds like you, but the Spirit is giving you, the wind of the Spirit is giving you the utterance to pray. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> so many times, the Spirit of God is looking for people that will stand in the gap and make up the hedge and pray. Sometimes you can, we call it a burden. Sometimes you can get a burden of prayer and it's, you feel like a heaviness. You're like, I'm not sure why, but I feel kind of like something. Do you ever feel that way before? You're trying to scratch your head like, what is it? What, what's going on here? Well, something needs prayed out. Something needs prayed out. And I believe you're mature enough, you can handle this today. Amen. I believe that. Amen. And I believe the Lord wants us to start in our private, not just in church, but I mean in our our everyday life, to start yielding more to the Spirit of God by praying in the Spirit and being able to cover things that we don't know how to pray for. Okay? And sometimes the Lord will even give you the interpretation, not always, but sometimes He'll give you the interpretation of what, what you prayed for. Now, if I pray in tongues out loud in the sanctuary like this, you know, then usually there has to be an interpretation to say, okay, what's the Holy Spirit saying here? Amen? But if we're all just praying together, there's, not any, there's no need for an interpretation. Like if we all decided right now, when Pastor Lynn was having a prayer meeting, it was, yeah. Um, you know, they pray in the Spirit about something. You pray in English about something, then you finish it off by praying in the Spirit because it covers territory that your, me- your mentality knows nothing about. And I've, we've seen through the years people get delivered. Praise God. I'll, I'll close with one One story here. This is back in 1989, to be exact, and uh, this is our first church we were pastoring over in the South Hills. And I was, uh, I was preaching like I am on a Sunday morning. I'm up there preaching, you know, it's just just enjoying myself. I'm telling you what, if there's anything I love to do, it's minister the Word of God. <laughs> oh man. That's better than chocolate cake. I'm telling you, stand up behind here and preach the word of God. It's the most wonderful thing in the world. And you know, when you preach under the anointing, that's what makes it really exciting because you say things you didn't prepare to say, but you know where it came from, right? So there's a handful of people out there and I'm preaching. And this is back in the back in the day when they were having people hijack cars, if you remember that. And they would buy, with rifles and guns, they'd go and hijack a car and take the car and sometimes even shoot the people and so forth, you know. And uh, you remember that? And it still takes, takes place in certain parts of the country and other countries as well. But, you know, I was just preaching away and I, I said out of my mouth, I said, look at me right now. I said a real bullet. I said, you do not have to be afraid of these, these knuckleheads out there. You don't have to. I said it like that. I said, you don't have to be afraid of these perpetrators out there that have guns. and that, that You don't have to be afraid of the assassin's bullet. You don't have to be afraid of these things. All right. And I, th- and I changed the subject and went over to something else. I thought, wow, praise the Lord. The Lord wanted me to say that. That same night, this was on a Sunday morning, that same night, there was a couple that was in our church that had uh, three or four kids. They, she, this, this lady had a very young baby, you know, and she was, uh, they had taken their kids to, I think, like a Chuck E. Cheese. Okay, I preached on Sunday morning. This is on a Sunday night. They took their kids that night to like a Chuck E. Cheese, like a birthday party, you know. And she took the baby out in the the the. uh, They had a suburban. They took her. She took her out there to feed the baby, okay, to get away from the general public, you know. And uh, she's out there by herself in the car. Doors are locked, and they've had this big suburban. Okay, she's in the in the front seat, nursing the baby. And all of a sudden, out of the, out of the side of her, her peripheral vision, she saw this guy come up and look inside of her window like that. And when she saw it, it kind of spooked her like this, you know. And he took a gun out and shot the window. Boom. Shot the window. The window just shattered. Shot the window, and he took off. Okay? Shot a hole right through the window. Well, we got a call from them. I got chills up my spine when I think about this. We got a call uh, And they told us exactly what happened. She said, the only thing that happened, she goes, glass just went everywhere. There's not a cut on me or the cut on the baby. The bullet missed us. You can replace a seed, right? Okay. Can't necessarily replace a person. She got up and testified the next week. She goes, you know, remember last week when pastor was up there preaching, it took one of those little rabbit trails, you know, that we get off on sometimes, you know, and, and she said, I remember what he said. We don't have to be afraid of this thing happening, of the assassinations and the bullets and this kind of stuff and carjackings. We don't have to be afraid of that. We're not to yield to fear. And she goes, I'm, God is my witness. He protected me that night. So their insurance took care of the window. It was all taken care of. Not a scratch was on the baby. Not a scratch was on her. Well, evidently the Holy Ghost saw what was going to happen. The Lord can not only look backward, He He can look up ahead to see dangerous things that are going to happen. You know, if you're driving down the road and you can see far enough down the road, you can avoid certain things, right? If there's someone that's having problems with their vehicle, you can get over in the other lane and avoid that mess that's up there, right? Well, the Holy Spirit can not only see what's happening now, but He knows what's up ahead and He knows how to get you around that situation to protect you. So why am I saying all this? Well, I believe today that we need to be, start practicing more, being more yielded to the Lord. Not just make head decisions, mental decisions. Sounds like a good thing, but we've got to follow the Holy Ghost. Have to follow the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen?